If I had one message that I wish I could gather the entire world, lost people without Christ and saved people into one room or one arena, and I could preach one particular message, it would be about the resurrection. Today is resurrection day. This is the day the tomb became empty. Jesus walked out of this tomb. This day began earlier. The resurrection day, the day that Jesus came out, it began with the betrayal by Judas, that kiss, that inner circle. Then he was arrested. Then he was unjustly tried. And then the crucifixion, which totally made him unrecognizable in his body. It just wasn't a person hanging there that you could recognize like Hollywood or movies try to portray that God that hung on that cross. The Bible says his visage was so marred that there was no way that someone would, he would even be recognized. That goriness, I mentioned a little bit ago, that goriness, that, 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 that flesh that was completely pounded, it represents what your sin and what my sin did to him. Would you please travel back to the darkest day in your life? Go back to that day that you wish you'd never lived. Go back to that deed that you have done that you sitting here right now in a better you cannot even fathom or realize you are capable of doing that. Then take everybody's dark night. Then take everybody's horrible deed and Jesus became that. So everything physically that happened to Jesus was spiritually representative of everything you and I have done. And no matter how good we look today, God did not save us of how good we look. God sent his son to redeem us of how bad we were. And may I say, how bad we could have become. This resurrection day, these three days and three nights, if you'll look in Matthew chapter 27, I, I, I referenced it, Matthew 27, 65, uh, you're going to find out that Pilate tells them, look, you have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. I, I love, I love when man was putting a god uh, in a tomb, they were like, hey, I tell you what, use Flex Seal. Get on Amazon and order some of that Flex Seal because everybody knows it helps a glass boat going through the water and it will take care of rain gutters. And uh, you order that thing, you get it in. In fact, order two and three of it, get it in, and uh, you put it around there. And, uh, and they, they put mortal man in front of this tomb. Would you please look at Matthew 28, 2? Please tell me that God has a sense of humor. Look at this, Matthew 28, 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. Now, it could have stopped right there. But he did an end zone dance on top of the devil. When, when, I, when I started reading this, William, I have to tell you, my friend, I just started laughing. You now know where all end zone dances and taunting came from in the NFL or the USFL. And you know where it comes from? Right there. It's in the Bible right there. The angel sat upon it 
after the earthquake came and he rolled it back, he climbed up on top of that so that no one could say it, that was a coincidence that that kind of happened. Oh, no, 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 no. The Lord did it, and he made sure he left a representative there. The angel came down. The angel rolled back the stone. The angel then sat upon it. Jesus walks out of the tomb. Jesus began, begins an earthly tour. He begins with Mary Magdalene. And then upon this tour, he comes upon, as the risen Savior, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, the seven apostles as they were fishing, the 500 people at one time, the apostles in Galilee, and among other things. And, but then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends. So on this resurrection day, could I help us believers, those who have, can point back to a time that we trusted Christ, can I put the why in there? And for those of you that maybe are struggling with this idea of Jesus Christ being the ultimate sacrifice, why? So my title this morning is this, and I take it from what they, what they said in verse number 6. Would you go there, Matthew 28, 6? He is not here, for he is risen. The title is very simple. He is risen. I have questions. He is risen. I have questions. And all the questions can be settled. Would you make your way, and I'm going to have you use your Bible because I don't want you to trust me. I want you to see it in the Word. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 12. The first thing I, I want to, the first question I would like to ask is, where did Jesus go? I, I get the fact that he was born in Bethlehem, and I understand the fact that he walked this earth for 33 years, three and a half of those being as the proclaimed and the revealed Son of God, but where did he go? So he ascends in Acts chapter 1. Where did he go? Look, look, look at this, if you will. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, look at it, sat down on the right hand. Of God. Please let me be elementary, not to insult your intelligence because I don't want to be that, that person. But, but if I could help you understand this, Brother Flynn, could I use, Brother Benson, could I use you, Brother Ferrer, could I use, could I use you, you guys, you three guys, come up here, come here, Brother. So, so, so understand that, that I'm going to go back an illustration I've used many times, just line up three in a row and just kind of one, two, three right here and face me, if you will. And uh, there you go. We're going to we'll let this represent in heaven. Just line up right here. The single file. There you go. We're going to let this represent in heaven. Uh, Elohim. Genesis 1-1. Let us. That's, that's Elohim. Plural gods. This is how it all started in eternity. In fact, you need to back, all, back up because we don't have enough eternity. And uh, so there you go. All right. And uh, I, I'm really not trying to demean you because y'all just walk in place because we don't have enough eternity. All right. So it started in Genesis chapter, just walk in place. There you go. It started in Genesis chapter one. God was there when creation was. God existed long before he came from Teman, which is nowhere because he's always existed. And then in Bethlehem, something wonderful happened. In Bethlehem, the Son of God, go down to earth. In Bethlehem, the Son of God came down. Okay, now you can march forward and just go slowly. And then walk with them. And then in Bethlehem, the Son of God came down and he dwelt among men. He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. And from the age of 12, we see him at the age of 12. We do not see him again until he's an adult man, if you will. 
And then all of a sudden, Christ comes to the crucifixion. Keep coming. We progress through time. Hurry up because we don't have eternity. And uh, Okay, stop. And then all of a sudden, Christ dies. He now is resurrected. And at this point, we will illustrate the crucifixion. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so he's, he's illustrated. Uh, so he dies. And then three days later, he's alive. Forty days, he shows himself alive by many infallible proofs in Acts chapter 1. And then something happens to where God and God change place. No, no, not that. No, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit change places, and now God the Father and God the Son. This is the resurrection. So where did Jesus go when, 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 when he ascended, he went to the right hand of the Father. Can I get you two just back up right here in front of me? You can have a seat, Brother Benson, if you will. So here now is how this is going even until this day. The day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you trusted him as your Savior, but then he put in you the Holy Spirit of his promise. You see, dwelling on the inside of you is the Holy Spirit of God if you are saved. And if you are saved and you have trusted Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, then there is a reason why he is risen. So where did he go? The Bible tells us that he has gone to the right hand of the Father. So right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father is the Savior, the risen, have a seat, is the risen Savior, and he now sits next to the Father. So there's God the Father, then God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me as God's earnest. It'd be like us putting a down payment on a piece of property that maybe the church wants to buy. And we give them so much money in earnest, in good faith. We're giving you our word. And then something happens where the deal falls through. Guess who gets to keep the money? The person we made the deal with. God is so confident that he's sending his son back to get you and that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Guess what he gave you? God. And if you are going to go to hell, then God has to forfeit God for you to go to hell. And Newsflash. He's God. He's not about to forfeit. He's so secure in you going to heaven. And dear believer, so why the resurrection? This is not about Easter eggs. This is not about the Easter bunny. This is not about bright colors, although there's nothing wrong with those things. Do you know what the resurrection's all about? It's all about that risen Savior that died on the old rugged cross and paid for our sins. Did you and I realize at the time that he was dying on the cross inside Jerusalem that they were having the slain lamb as that lamb was being slain? Our Savior was dying at the very same time as the last official sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And that's why the Bible says the veil was rent between the top and the bottom, that veil, so that everybody could go walk right in. So where did Jesus go? Jesus went to sit down at the right hand of God. Go to Romans chapter 8, if you will. What is Jesus doing there? So, so, so where did Jesus go? So if he's risen, then I have some questions. Where did Jesus go? And what is Jesus doing there? Jesus, in Romans 8, 34, look at it. Romans 8, 20, 8, 8 34, who is he that condemneth? 
It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the what, please? Right hand of God, who also maketh what? Intercession for us. Go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. It's confirmed again in the book of Hebrews. So what is Jesus doing there? Wherefore, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make what, please? Intercession. Please don't stumble at the doctrine of this morning, and please don't let it be so sophomoric and a freshman introductory course, because this is big time for you and I as a believer. When we talk about a risen Savior, we're just not talking about a day on a calendar. We're talking about something that is vital for your and, and, and my eternity. When Christ died on that old rugged cross and three days later when he came out of that tomb and he was on this earth by showed himself and then when he ascended in acts chapter one he went and sat down why is he there he is there as an intercessor he is there as a go-between you see you and i are unrighteous you and i are sinners and a sinner i'm going to talk me a sinner cannot approach a holy God without an intercessor. And so when I want to get saved and I want God, then guess what? I can't approach God unless I come through Jesus. So, so if you're here today and you are without Christ and you're trying your best to live a good life and you're trying your best to be what you think you need to be. You say, but pastor, I'm, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And if, and if I turn over this new leaf and I read enough books, I'll better myself. You may better the outside, but what about all the past sins you've done up until this point? You may replace the window, but what about the broken window? You, you may clean up your marriage and you may clean up your life and you may stop addictions and, and, and you may do that with the help of everybody around you. But what about those sins? Do you feel like I'm preaching right at you this morning? And, and, and what about, <laughs> I'll move over a chair. And no, I know who needs it this morning. And what about those sins? Did you know this morning, if you were to come to an old fashioned altar at the end of this service and you were to say, I need a savior. Because one day the God of the universe is going to judge you. Not by who you are, but by what you've done. You were born a sinner. But if you were to come and say, I don't want to go to hell. Watch this. Why is he risen? Why is he there? Where did he go? Right hand of God. Why is he there? So that when you come to an almighty God, guess who's there? Stand up. To make intercession. And when you say, I need, I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven, then Jesus has already paid for the sins that I'm asking for forgiveness for. He's risen! I got some questions. Where did he go? He went to the right hand of God. What is he there? What is he doing there? He's making intercession. You see, you can't get to God except through Jesus Christ. 
Why is it important for Jesus to be there? Would you go please to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5? And there are three words found in the next couple of verses that, that I think are, are going to be so telling for you and I. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this, For there is one God. Are you there? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, men, the man Christ Jesus. So the Bible tells us, look at verse 6, who gave himself for a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You see, Jesus is our mediator. He is the one that gives us peace with God. So please know this, and, and, and I know this is going to be awkward, but y'all join hands. There you go. There's a, difference between, there's a difference between joining hands and holding hands. And Okay, guess what? He... As part of the Godhead, so when I come and I say, I want peace with God, I can't have peace with God except for a Savior who died on the old rugged cross. And when he rose again, he became my mediator. Would you look at the next verse here? And I find this so amazing. Go to 1 John chapter 2. And in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, and I'm going to put it all together, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and verse 2, y'all have been a delightful crowd. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Please, please know what I'm about to tell you, and please listen very, very closely. The day I trusted Christ, the only thing on me that did not get saved was my flesh. Listen, my flesh will never be saved. You see, your flesh is simply the vehicle by which the lost you started doing ungodly things. When Christ saved you, your flesh still does ungodly things. We don't want it to. My flesh is not saved. The only thing the Bible says about my flesh is it will be changed. You see, this corruption must put on incorruption. So please know, where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. Why is Jesus there? Because he is our mediator, but he's more than that. He is our advocate. He not only is the go-between between me and Jesus, but the only way a sinful Bob saved but sinful Bob can come to Jesus is because Jesus is my advocate. Jesus is my mouthpiece. Jesus is telling the Savior, look at verse 2. So he's our advocate, but look at verse 2. And he is our what, please? Propitiation for our sins. Would you please know this? Propitiation means this. All the anger and wrath on sin that's going to send a person to hell, Jesus took all that wrath. Did you think about that right now? All the wrath of God, that wrath that made him destroy the earth with a flood, that wrath 1,600 years mankind provoked to Almighty God 
evil in the sight of God. And God said, this is what I've created, then this is what I'm going to destroy. Wrath that will be poured out on this earth, and he will destroy this entire earth by fire. Wrath. God. No darkness at all. Then how do you and I even get a relationship with God? You know how? Because he took the wrath. Jesus took all the anger of God about sin so that you and I could have a relationship with God. Where's he at? So he's risen. Where'd he go? What is he doing there? Dear Christian, listen to this. You no longer have to come to God in fear because Jesus already took all the wrath. When he died on Calvary, that's why the sky grew dark. That is why all of a sudden there was this Eli, Eli, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He became it all. And when he became it all, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus took upon us, upon himself, the sins of everybody. I just want to come to you this morning and tell you this, that he is there to help you with what you don't like about you. And he is there for you to find help. Would you go to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to put it all together. Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 14. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I have no idea how he did that. I have no idea how he did that. You and I can walk away from temptation for maybe a couple of times, but how many would agree with me if, if you had to be the, 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 the boxer in a bakery department that you wouldn't last very long by not eating some of it? I know it's such a... A very, but let me tell you something. The Son of God came into a world full of darkness and never one time sinned. It was available, tempted, but he never ate. He understands it. But look what it says. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help in time of need. If you're a believer and you're here today and you are not living the victorious Christian life, it is not that God's not ready to help you live the victorious Christian life, and it's not that Jesus did not already pay for the sins that keep you in bondage. It's on our part because we don't realize God's not mad. All the wrath was taken out on his son, and his son paid it all. And the Bible says, as his son, not a servant, but as his son, go down there, I'm going to switch places, as as his son, the Bible says, you approach this throne boldly, not with cockiness or arrogance, but boldly knowing this. 
I'm coming because I need help. Do you know what Jesus says? I took all the wrath, and now help is available to you. Grace is available to you. I understand what you're going through. I weathered what you're going through. The difference is I didn't sin. You have failed. Let me help you. Ladies and gentlemen, he had to go to heaven. Y'all going to have a seat. I'm going to show you one closing verse. Go to chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8. If you're here this morning, please know that you do not have an abstract Savior. You do not have an, an, a Savior that can't be touched. He can be touched with everything you're going through. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Look at this. For if he were on earth, he should not be a what? Priest. Look at that. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest. Jesus had to die. Jesus had to go to heaven because if he had not rose from the dead, the resurrection is very important. You want to know why? Because if he had stayed on this earth, we wouldn't have a high priest in heaven. And when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and then he conquered death and walked out as the final sacrifice, he went to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And when he said it was finished on the cross, it was finished. And when he ascended to heaven, he now sits at the right hand of God going, who wants salvation? Who wants peace with God for eternity? And Jesus is saying to the masses, come, would you come? Would you come, lost soul? Would you trust me? I took it all. Would you accept my gift of eternal life? I paid it all. You're just coming to grips with what you've done wrong. I've always known what you were, and I paid it all. Then he's looking at you and I as believers saying, I am your mediator. You need help? Come see me. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you going to heaven when you die? And if the answer is yes, why are you going to heaven? And if you're putting your trust in anything else other than what Jesus did for you on the cross, then that kind of person won't go to heaven, they'll go to hell. But if you're here today and you're like, I need a Savior, oh, I need a Savior, then you've come to the right place. Because somebody can take the Bible and show you how Jesus can be your Savior He's sitting there, totally have appeased the sins of mankind. I view the book of life differently, and I am coming to a close. I view the book of life differently than most people do. Most people are trying to get their names into the book. I believe everybody's name is in the book. God's not willing that any should perish. For God so loved the world that he gave. I believe everybody's name is in the book. And that's why the Bible says very clearly, and whosoever is not found, I believe if a person dies and goes to hell, 
that it will be because they did not accept the invitation and the gift. And then I do believe, because Revelation tells us a couple chapters before that, that you can be blotted out. It's, 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 like, it's like preparing a dinner for people you love. There's too many parables to where he prepared it. And he stood at the door and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you together? But you would not. And I believe Jesus is in heaven going, I paid for it all for you. Please don't trust yourself. Trust me. Everything's ready for you to come. And if someone dies and goes to hell, it won't be because Jesus didn't elect them to heaven. It will be because they didn't elect Jesus as their Savior. There is nothing you have to do to clean up yourself for Jesus to save. He's already done it all. He's not waiting for you to prove your sincerity through a changed life. He just wants your faith. Here in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. There are going to be deacons at the end of the main aisles. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, then this is why he has been, this is why he's risen. This is why he came back from the dead. And if you're here and you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, when is the last time you've been to the throne of grace and taken your problems? Say, God, I need your help.